The subject for tonight is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 1. And if my mic starts to cut out, let me know. I think we've resolved the situation, I hope. But it's not uh, faulty equipment. It's, it has to do with radio frequencies and cell phones and, and uh, things that I don't totally understand. But we changed the channel and the, and the frequency and that ought to take care of it. But if you hear it dropping out and then coming back on, dropping out, coming back on, that's a radio frequency problem. So let me know if we have any trouble. The day of the Lord... 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now the times and the seasons of that day of the Lord... This is what Paul has in view in chapter 5. And he said to the people at the church in Thessalonica that they know perfectly. And that's because they know the teachings of Jesus. And uh, that has been relayed to them through his apostles. And Jesus said that his coming would come as a thief in in the night. And so Paul said, you know this perfectly. You know, Jesus told us that no one will know when the rapture occurs or when His return will occur. Not the Son of God, not the angels in heaven, only the Father knows. There's no man that will know the timing of His coming. And uh, boy, there have been some guys who have tried And they've embarrassed themselves and embarrassed uh, Bible-believing Christians, born-again Christians, because they try to date the rapture and the the end of the world, and, and they make a mess. Matthew 24, verse 36, I'll just quote it. Jesus said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. A man named Harold Camping He said that the Lord would return at 6 p.m. on May the 21st, 2011. That day, I was delivering for FedEx in uh, Marietta, and I was listening to the Bible Broadcasting Network and listening to the, uh, the teacher on there saying, Jesus said clearly that no man will know, but Harold Camping thinks he knows. And uh, we, we all knew that nothing was going to happen on May the 21st. And then, yeah, and then he changed the date. He, he put up billboards to warn people, and of course it didn't happen. And then he tried again on October the 21st, later on that year, saying that the world will end, but there were no billboards that time. And he was a very intelligent man. But he, he based his dating, and his, he got his numbers from John chapter 21, which seems like a dumb thing to do for such an intelligent man. You know, he tried the same thing back in 1994, so it wasn't his first shot at it. And it was embarrassing. It, you know, the, the, the major news outlets got a hold of it, and it was just an embarrassing thing for people like us who believe what the Bible says about the rapture of the church and the return of Christ. Paul said, you know perfectly 
that it comes as a thief in the night. What does that mean? Well, it's unexpected. So what I want to say tonight is that the day of the Lord is a lengthy period of time which begins with the pre-tribulation rapture of the church and ends with the conclusion of the millennial kingdom and the destruction of this planet. That's the day of the Lord. Begins with the rapture, ends at the conclusion of the millennial kingdom. So Paul here is dealing with the beginning of the day of the Lord. He says it comes as a thief in the night. Unexpectedly, there will be perceived peace in the world. There will be a misplaced confidence in a humanistic government to provide safety for its citizens. So everyone will say peace, peace, and then sudden destruction. He comes as a thief in the night. You know, a thief does not announce his arrival, right? Normally, he comes to burglarize your home when you're away on vacation or when everyone in the house is peacefully sleeping at night. The thief comes unexpectedly. And that's what Jesus said his return would be like. When he comes back to rapture his church, we won't know it's going to happen. No man knows the day. And it will be sudden travail. Like when a woman goes into... uh, now I just forgot the word. Labor. Labor. Does she know when it's going to happen? No. no. It's a surprise. It's unexpected. Jesus said that his return is the same way. And when that happens, it starts uh, a period of time on this planet called the tribulation. And it will be a time of, of great uh, turmoil and hardship on this world. So he says that he comes as a thief in the night. In verse 3, when ye shall say peace and safety... Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. He's talking about the tribulation period, the time of God's wrath. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. The darkness equals the tribulation period. That that day should overtake you as a thief. What day? The day of the Lord. Ye are all the children of light. And the children of the day. Now that has a couple of meanings. One is, is it, it's moral. Moral. You're a, a people of, of righteousness. And, but really it refers to you are people that are not appointed unto wrath. You're not appointed to the darkness of the tribulation period. You have the light of the truth. You have moral light. And you are of the children of the light. And you're not of that darkness. We are not of the night. You see that there? Nor of darkness. Now that's pretty clear. You wonder, am I going to go through this time that Paul is describing as a time of darkness upon this earth? No. You're not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Now is Paul telling us that we should stay up all night tonight? No. He's he's using something that we understand physically to teach a spiritual truth. He's talking about sleep being immoral behavior. Uh, So don't sleep. Be alert. Be awake. Be moral. Live godly in Christ Jesus. Let us watch. Stay awake and watch and be sober. Now, without going into a whole lot of detail, 
the, the Jewish night is broken up into four parts, the cock crowing and so on. And there, those, those 12 hours of the nighttime broken up into three-hour shifts. And so a person would watch for three hours and then turn it over to somebody else or watch for however long the watch lasted. And so he's saying that be, be a good uh, watchman. Up on the wall, watching the surrounding uh, hills for any kind of trouble or any kind of threat to the city. You know, you're up on that wall being a good watchman and watching, being sober. Don't sleep. Don't fall asleep on the job. Stay awake. You're protecting the lives of the citizens, your family and, and women and children. He's saying, watch. That's what he's, he's saying. That's the point. Watch. We ought to pay attention to what's going on around us. And uh, listen, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I do know this. You are living in the end times. These are the last of the last of the last days. Pay attention to what's going on around you. You say, what do you mean? You're watching a global, uh, a global government forming right before your very eyes. And they're not hiding anything. It's right on the news for everybody to see. They're globalizing this world. In colleges, they teach kids that nationalization and and borders is the wrong way to think. We don't want to think that way anymore. We're not different nations with borders. We want to think of ourselves as belonging to a global community. And so you'll hear those kind of words. This is the end times, folks. Um, Get ready. And it's going to get worse. But you're not going through the tribulation. But he says, watch and be sober, okay? So there's a moral aspect to this teaching. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So we're going to be saved out of this time of wrath. Every time you see that word salvation, it's not always talking about the eternal salvation of your soul. In this case, it's talking about being saved from this time of God's wrath being poured out on this world. The time of Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble, but the time of Jacob's trouble. And you have the hope of salvation. You say, what's that? The blessed hope, the rapture, Jesus coming back to get us. Now, this also goes to prove my point, like I've been saying, that Every doctrine has a duty. Someone would say, you all are studying end times prophecy and all that prophecy teaching. And and what you need to do is you need to teach the people good practical things that will help them on Monday morning. Do practical teaching. None of this doctrinal stuff. Well, here's the thing. With every doctrine in the Bible, every time that an apostle teaches on something like this, the day of the Lord, there's always a practical application. To every doctrine, there's a duty. Our duty in light of this is to be sober, to be watching, to live righteously, put on the breastplate of faith and love and helmet, the hope of salvation. You see, for every belief, there's a behavior that's attached to it. Our beliefs inform our behaviors or change our behaviors. So it's very practical. Now, um, he says in verse 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. If someone wants to argue with you and say, I think we're going through the tribulation, show them 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9, and then cross-reference that to when God talks about His wrath in Revelation. 
find where it talks about wrath and revelation. Uh, revelation 19 is one of those places. And say, the wrath there is talking about God's wrath on this planet during the tribulation, and we are not appointed unto it. But to obtain salvation, you see, not the salvation of our souls, but to be delivered from it. Who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. And then he says, wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. So he says, in light of what I'm teaching you, you as a church in Thessalonica, you as a church, I want you to... Uh, I want you to strengthen one another. I want you to build each other up. Don't tear each other down. Build each other up. Encourage each other. Be watching, paying attention to what's going on. And then he says this, And then with your pastors, verse 12, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love. So have a high esteem and regard for your pastors as they uh, are helping you through this and you see, it's very practical. But that's the, the day of the Lord. Paul's talking about the timing of it. And he's talking about the beginning of it. It begins with the rapture, which was in chapter 4. It begins with the rapture. So, the rapture of the church, some say, was conceived in the 1800s. This is a new thing that we've come up with. And if it's new... It isn't true and all this kind of stuff. So they say, you dispensational teachers and dispensational churches, you got this from the 1800s. This didn't come from the Bible. All right. I'm quoting now from a work entitled Alexandria's Byzantine Apocalyptic Tradition. This book was written back in 1985. In that book, you'll find a sermon called On the Last Times, the Antichrist and the End of the World. By Ephraim the Syrian, he lived all the way back in 300 A.D., from 306 to 373. And he says, For all the saints and the elect of God are gathered prior to the tribulation that is to come, and are taken to the Lord, lest they see the confusion that is to overwhelm the world because of their sins. So, that comes from... Four 6th century Latin manuscripts. So that was translated into Latin. And it comes from the 500s. From a man who lived in the 300s. Who taught that the rapture happens before the tribulation. And that the tribulation is a time of punishment for the world for their sins. The doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church is not a 19th century invention. You say, why do you bring all that up? Because if you're watching, if you're paying attention to what's going on, toward the end of the church age, people will not endure sound doctrine. They will turn their ears away from the truth. Having itching ears. Want somebody to scratch them. Oh, that feels good. That feels good. You see? They won't endure sound doctrine. And if you do a search on YouTube, beware, if you get into the murky waters of YouTube, if you do a search... On the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. There's people on there who have paid money and worked with the algorithms and all that stuff to get their videos to come to the top. And you will find teacher after teacher after teacher belittling people who teach a pre-tribulation rapture. And the young people today, they want this, this new intelligent Christianity. And this new intelligent Christianity, they don't teach these things. They don't teach them. 
And uh, I won't say anything more about that new intelligent Christianity, but um, people are turning away from the truth of the Bible. And they'll say things like, this is a new invention. It was, brought, it was, it was uh, taught first in the 1800s. Just not true. Just not true. Plus, you find it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So, now let's turn over to 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3. You'll find good Bible teachers, too, on YouTube. Don't get me wrong. That's still teaching the book. and still teaching what it says, as it says it, where it says it. Just taking the plain, literal meaning of Scripture. You'll find them, too. But 2 Peter 3. And verse 9. You know, one of the things I appreciated uh, about Brother Raymond was his testimony that he and his family were entirely Catholic. And he knew that they were just lost, trusting in their religion and faith plus works. And his whole family got saved as a result of somebody being trained in America, you know, and sending church planting uh, teams to the Philippines to plant churches. And going out, they do visitation. They pass out the, the uh, um, fellowship track, league tracks. And they deal with people about their souls. And somebody came to his house one day and dealt with him and led him to Christ. And his whole family ended up getting saved because the pastor of that church came and, and visited and, and witnessed to them. So I, I was glad to hear that. And it was good for our church to hear that, that uh, religion is damning. And uh, the religion of Rome, they would deny this. They would deny the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. They would make fun of the whole Left Behind series, which not everything in that series is right, but they would make fun of that. And that's just what I'm saying, folks. You're getting towards the end of the church age, and people will not endure sound doctrine. And uh, they'll turn themselves away to teachers Teachers, and you know what we have in the end times? We, we don't really have preachers like we used to have. Where did all the preachers go? Like Lester Roloff, Adrian Rogers, uh, some of these guys, Sam Jones, uh, Charles uh, Weigel, so many good preachers. Um, Billy Sunday, D.L. Moody. What happened to the preachers? You know what we have today? Teachers, just like the Bible said. Pastors who just get up and teach. They won't preach against anything. They teach because people want teachers having itching ears. And I go to the bookstore, spent uh, yesterday uh, at a bookstore coming back from an appointment and, and paying off my endodontist to make sure I didn't get turned into collections. And, but I stopped in at the two bookstores in, in uh, Parkersburg. One of them is practically worthless. Uh, and then the other one, the good old one there in Parkersburg, has got a lot of good material still. And uh, I went in there and talked with this lady, and I said, I'm looking for F.B. Meyer. There's another great old preacher looking for him. And, and as I'm looking through these books, um, in the other store, just has all bunch of... For example, I went in there and I said, I'm looking for F.B. Meyer. And uh, he said, Meyer, let me look it up. So he starts looking up on his computer. He's like, I got Joyce Meyers. And I said, I am definitely not interested in anything that she has to say or teach. Not interested. And then he's like, I got John MacArthur. I was like, no, not interested in him either. Uh, you don't have F.B. Martin? No. Okay, well, I'll go check. He, and he said, go check the other store. So I did. And I found him there. Found some good stuff there. But you know, in that Mardell's that I'm talking about in Parkersburg, they have books in there. And they, they talk about how to preach for the new church. 
how to preach for the church of today, and it's not preaching. How about just preaching like we've always preached for 2,000 years from God's book? Jesus said to Peter, Peter, feed my sheep. That's my job, to feed you. Paul said, preach the word. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Paul said to, the, to Timothy, these, these uh, what did he say? He said of, uh, he said of some that they were uh, lazy gluttons and uh, slow bellies. Uh, people on that island of Crete. Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. He said, rebuke them sharply that they'll be sound in the faith. Be a preacher, you know. You're not going to hear that in the last days. What you're going to hear is teaching. Teaching all the time. So, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. So it says here, um, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. I'm so thankful for that. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is why the Lord delays His return. If you want a scriptural reason, why don't you just come back tonight, Lord? Because it would fix everything. Well, He, 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 he wants more people to repent. So He's giving time. Yes, there's a lot of bad things happening at the same time. Child trafficking and... And abortion and so many things happening. China pushing drugs on America's uh, youth. and A lot of bad things happening. But at the same time, God is calling out a people for His name. And so He, he wants to give time because he, wants, he, would, he would have all to come to repentance. And uh, so He wants more people to be able to repent. And then verse 10, But the day of the Lord, there's the flip side with the word but, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now Peter is dealing with the end of the day of the Lord. The conclusion, which is the millennium and the destruction of this present world. The the. Destruction at a molecular level of this planet. Yes, because it's totally... Yeah, it is defiled. The world is defiled. And uh, blood, innocent blood spilled on this planet. Just from the... the, uh, the you know what we have today? Man, I, I just don't even want to talk about it. It, it makes me mad. It makes Beth, I think, uh, makes her more angry. We have infanticide. That's what's happening. Infanticide. And uh, just the murder of children after they're born. It's, it's sad because we are more humane with our animals than we are with our children. That, that occurred to me the other day because we've been trying to take care of some cats that somebody dropped off on. I tell you, if I catch one of these people dropping off their cats, no, I'm just kidding, but we're, we're taking care of our cats and I'm thinking about you know, how they take care of animals and we're so careful with animals like a deer. We saw a video of a deer stuck in a, in, a, in a fence, had its antlers stuck in there and they wrestled that thing to the ground and cut off the stuff that was around the fence post that the deer got caught on and they're concerned about that deer having some sort of a traumatic event so they wanted to do it in under 30 minutes and, and the deer got free and, and praise God, you know. Um, we should care for animals but it's so sad that we'll just... I won't talk about it anymore. Pastor, yes. Eagle. You follow that eagle, follow 
Yes, you'll go to jail. What is wrong with that? It's just like the Bible says, worship and serve the creature more than the creator. And man is, is, was created in God's image. So, Yeah, so, it's so sad. But So he says here, um, it will come as a thief in the night. And the elements, you, you see it talking about the elements um, melting with a fervent heat. And now we know today that if you crush an atom, that there's an explosion. You know, so uh, they're, they're dissolved in verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. So this is the doctrine of the uh, end of the day of the Lord. And you say, is there a practical application? Oh yeah. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be, Peter is saying, in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for that, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So it's the entire solar system, uh, at least, at least the, uh, at least the Milky Way, but um, the solar system, maybe, maybe the universe. I don't know, but he he says he's talking about the end of it, and so. What is referred to here? Did you see the day of God there in verse 12? The day of God. Um, We'll turn to our last reference. Revelation 21 verse 1. When God destroys this planet, then He gathers um, the dead, small and great, to stand before the great white throne judgment to be judged. And we've talked about that before. And then after the great white throne judgment, however long that takes... um, then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And it looks like even the third heaven where God dwells will be changed. Is what it looks like. So in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1. Now this is the day of God. This is the end of the day of the Lord. You saw that diagram that I did. Day of Christ, day of the Lord, day of God. At the end of the day of the Lord is the destruction, 2 Peter 3. And then you have the day of God, and you have the great white throne judgment, and then eternity. What does eternity look like? There's a new heaven and a new earth for eternity. Okay, so Revelation 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. If you've been reading the book of Revelation, you would know that that's the sea of glass before God's throne. So there's no more sea there. And it's uh, frozen on the top, it looks like, and then underneath water. So above us, uh, above the, the solar, the universe, is a body of water, according to the Bible. And, uh, and on top of that is a sea of glass, maybe frozen. But um, So John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, and so on and so forth. And then verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And then, verse 4, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You see, there will be weeping at the great white throne judgment. There will be weeping. Um, I think it will be on the side of, 
God's saints that are there judging the world and judging angels, me and you, they'll be weeping on our part for people that we didn't witness to. So another meme, uh, I've, been, I've been on Facebook so much, um, just uh, looking at things that Beth shows to me, and she showed me a picture of a golf course and a golfer, and he's like this, and he's got his golf cart beside him, and behind him is the country club, and the country club is just up in flames, a roaring fire. And it said that this is a picture of a modern-day Christian, just playing through while everybody goes to hell. And that's what's going on. That's what's going on. You see, in, in the Philippines, somebody had a burden for a young man, went and led him to Christ. and said They, they didn't say, oh, he's a Catholic, he's already a Christian. No, He's trusting in his own religion and his own good works. He's not going to heaven. Need to get to him with the gospel. And then he was kicked out of his family, but he came back to his mom and told his mom, Mom, God loves you more than me and you need to get saved. And eventually his whole family got saved. Why? A burden. A burden. So we need to have a burden for souls. There is a practical application for all of this. But that's the day of the Lord. Just in summary, the day of the Lord begins with the rapture. And the tribulation, and it ends with the destruction of this present world, and uh, and with the uh, and then goes on to the day of God. So, any questions about that? Any questions? Any any thoughts on it? Um, if you have a question, you think it might be too tough for me to answer, and you don't want to embarrass me, I appreciate that. But you could just give it to me, and if I don't know it, I'll just say I don't know it. But I'll go study, and we'll come back Wednesday night. This coming week, and we'll try to do our best with it. So don't feel, you know, like you can't ask a question. So, all right. So uh, Peter said, what, what manner of persons ought we to be, knowing that all these things will be dissolved? What should we do? Well, we shouldn't be building our kingdom right now. It's not time to reign as kings and queens. It's time to suffer for the Lord, and it's time to... Make sure that you got your family in. Make sure they're all saved, and you know, and talk to your friends and your neighbors and things like that. And, and I know what it's like. You probably have already, but keep praying for them and uh, pray for opportunities to have another conversation again. And just pray for wisdom. And let's try to do our very best for the Lord, our Heavenly Father. Lord, I thank you for these truths tonight. Um, Lord, the world that we live in is wicked. Uh, it is ungodly. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have that same compassion that you had when they brought that woman that was taken in adultery. And you said, I I don't condemn you, I forgive you, and go and sin no more. And and Lord, you had compassion on that maniac of Gadara, Lord, just a crazy man living out among the dead, uh, among the tombs, and and, uh, just a mess. Everybody was afraid of him, but you cared about him, and you went to him, and he was saved sitting clothed in his right mind. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, help us to have a burden. You had a burden for your own brothers and sisters. And, and you, saw, uh, you saw a brother come to saving faith. And, and Lord, help us to have that same, that same burden and, and use us because we can't do anything uh, of ourselves. And Lord, um, help us to commit our suffering to you when we suffer, when we go through trials and we don't understand. Help us to commit it to you, to trust you, to, to seek your help and so that we might be able to tell others that you do help when, when we need help and you will uh, bless us and give us grace to bring us through our trials so that we can continue to have faith 
and trust in you and be witnesses. So, Lord, I pray that you'd use us as witnesses. I pray for souls to be saved and racing. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us. In Jesus' name, amen.